You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and it shall be called the highway of ho- the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. All rise, reading of the gospel. Today's passage is in Matthew 11, 2 through 19, page 816 in your pew Bibles. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go into the desert? What did you go into the wilderness? To see, a reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But then did you go, what, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. 
This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? Is it like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates? We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, Redeemer family, for those of you who don't know him, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Lewis Lovett, who serves as our church planter in residence. And if you've been around Redeemer for any length of time, you'll know that this is actually third generation, version 3.0 church planter in residence, because uh, something you should know about our parish is that we have for many years uh, a a deep and abiding commitment to the planting and establishing of new churches around the Metro Richmond area. And this began in 2019 when we sent out Stephen Breedlove and uh, some other good folks from amongst us to plant Church of the Incarnation in the West End. It continued on three weeks ago when we commissioned Danny Heinemann and, and more of you to go and establish All Souls Anglican south of the river in the Manchester neighborhood. And it will continue on in spring of 2024, we think, uh, when we send Lewis and Maggie and their kids, and hopefully those of you who live, some of you who live in and around the Midlothian area, to go and plant Resurrection Anglican Church in Midlothian. Lewis, we're glad you're here. Lewis is in this season of preparation where he's raising funds, drafting strategy, and, and kind of getting ready, preparing to go and establish this new church. And um, he's also in the ordination process. Hopefully you'll be seeing him in a collar here pretty soon. I think it's going to look great on you. Um, Lewis, thanks for coming and preaching to us. Can I, can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, thank you for my friend and my brother and my co-laborer, Lewis. Lord, I pray that you would speak through him to us this morning. Would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive your word to us through your servant, Lewis. This we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Wonderful to be with you on this, the, the third Sunday of Advent. And we're continuing in this, this season of the church where we prepare and wait to celebrate the coming of the light into the darkness of the birth of our Lord Jesus at Christmas. And we're continuing to do this by looking through these passages in Isaiah that, that help us to wait and to prepare. And I, I find Isaiah to be a, a really fascinating and confounding book of the Bible because it, it holds together uh, so many different things. It, it, it holds together uh, the, the God's people seeking him. It holds together that with uh, their failure to do so. It holds that with uh, God's judgment on his people. It holds that with God letting his people be destroyed by their enemies. It holds that with God judging 
God's people's enemies, it holds that with God's promise for salvation or redemption. All of this is happening at once. And we're going to see that uh, even in our passage today. And Isaiah 35 is given to us in the midst of judgment and attack. And as, as I'll point out later, right at the end of this reading, which is uh, very exciting and positive news, you see the Assyrian army arrive at the gates with threats of death and destruction. And so it's in the midst of this darkness and attack that comes Isaiah 35. So let me pray again, and then we'll jump into it. Holy Spirit, I do pray that you would be at work right now in and through your word in us so we might know you and love you more and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So like Dan said, my family moved to Midlothian about six months ago. And for most of the time, we've been living in a, in a rental, but we just about six weeks ago moved into our home. And that's been exciting uh, and crazy for our family in a number of ways. But one of the things that I've been personally excited about is to finally have a little uh, like home work area. So we've got a part of our house where I'm able to you know, put up all my, all my books in the bookshelves and uh, we decided to get me a nice desk. So Mag and I got online and, and on Amazon and found this, uh, this awesome desk uh, for me. And it's, it's, it's really beautiful. It's fake, beautiful wood. Um, they kind of, it's finished in such a way that it looks like it's sort of like restored old barn door wood, but it has this like exposed metal frame. So it's sort of a combination of like old fashioned with new modern vibes, not unlike myself. And I'm um, <laughs> really excited for this desk to come. I order it on Amazon and I think I'm going to have to wait as much as two whole days, right? Because I'm in the Amazon Prime generation. And uh, I find out that the, that the desk is actually shipping from China and it takes two weeks to get to my door. So it finally arrives. I've been, you know, moved in, but all my stuff is just in boxes on the floor of this workspace. It's not a very nice space yet. And, and I, get the, I get the box. I'm so excited. We get the kids to bed and I kind of settle in. And I, I open the box. I try to like get all the styrofoam chunks out without them exploding into a million pieces. And I, I arrange everything out. I get out the directions and I read the whole thing ahead of time because God has been at work in my story in many ways. And, and I, I've got everything arranged and I turn to the bag with all the hardware in it and it's nowhere to be found. And so this desk was shipped to me without that bag that contains all the screws and all the little tools and wrenches that fit those screws for the assembly of the desk. So I get online and I report the problem to Amazon and they tell me, no problem, we'll just send you those pieces and it'll take about two more weeks. So I wait for two more weeks and now my office is filled not only with all my junk on the ground, but now also like 30 pieces of a not desk, which are also in my space. Finally, two weeks pass and the bag arrives. I say, Maggie, feed the kids dinner, put them to bed. You're on your own. I'm building my desk, okay? So I, I, get, I get started on the desk and I'm building it and I get to the step where I'm going to... Uh, put the drawers in, right? And I look at the directions where they, they describe the, uh, the railings that are gonna go on the outside and the runners with the wheels are gonna go into those railings and I look around, nowhere to be found. So I get on amazon.com and I report the problem and they tell me it's gonna be here in two weeks and that's as far as I've made it. I, I have a desk and I have no drawers and I'm waiting. And I'm not very good at waiting. And in fact, waiting appears to me, is experienced by me as being an obstacle to my happiness. The, the problem is that our lives are filled with waiting. We're waiting all the time. We're waiting uh, on little things like waiting in line, waiting for someone to call you back, email you back, waiting for packages to arrive. But we're waiting for big things too, right? Waiting to grow up, waiting to find our spouse, waiting to have a child, waiting to, to get that job that's going to fulfill you. Like we're, we're waiting all the time. 
Uh, and one of the confusing things about being a Christian, if you're a Christian, is that the Christian life is filled with waiting. It's, it's filled with waiting. It's sort of the, the, one of the defining characteristics of the Christian faith is that we are looking forward to these truths and realities that have not become real yet for us. And so we wait. And if you're like me, then the problem is that that waiting can feel like an obstacle to your happiness and an obstacle to your life with Jesus. Right? We, we, we want to we get there. We want to connect. We want to experience and we want to arrive. We want to get to the promised land. And so what we're going to see uh, from Isaiah 35 this morning is three invitations in the midst of our waiting. Three invitations in the midst of our waiting. Uh, the first is to look up. The second is to look down. And the third is to look all around. Look up, look down, look all around. Any similarities between this outline and certain Dave Matthews band lyrics is purely coincidental, okay? <laughs> look up, look down, look all around, okay? So first, we look up. And, and, and by look up, what I mean is that we are, we are looking upward towards the horizon of what is promised for us by God in the future. That God promises to his people who are walking in darkness this eternal hope of flourishing. And I want, and I want to point out a couple of things about this. One of the things we notice is that this promise for flourishing is for all of creation. It's for all of creation. Uh, we, we read that the, the wilderness and the dry land, the earth itself rejoices and blooms. It bears fruit. It's, it's abundance. It's life. We read about streams running in the desert. We read about glory in Lebanon and majesty in Carmel. He's saying, uh, this isn't just happening right where you are. It's happening in other locations, meaning it's actually going to happen everywhere. And so I want you to think this morning about all the darkness and brokenness and pain in the world. I want you to think about all the corners of this earth, all the nations, all the peoples, all the institutions, the cultures, the powers, the systems, that are marked by darkness and pain and frustration, disappointment, injustice? What is it this week that struck you that you've noticed about the world that you live in that feels like this? The promise is that all of those places, all of them, every corner, will be transformed into a creation that's marked by, by joy and by abundance and by peace. We also notice that the depth of human healing that will happen, and I think this is remarkable because uh, I'm sure not everyone who's here is a, is a Christian, but if you are, you're, you're pretty familiar with language about God's healing or God's salvation or God's redemption. And usually when we think about that, we think about the reality that uh, God forgives our sins because of the death of Jesus. And of course, this is at the very center of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what's beautiful about this passage is that when God's flourishing comes to us, it actually has real things to do with your real life, okay? Because we read about things like the lame walking and the blind seeing. We, we read about physical restoration. But we also read this. I'm gonna reread verses three and four for you. It says this, strengthen the weak hands, make firm feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Where is God bringing human flourishing and restoration? He's bringing it to your weakness, to your feebleness, to your anxiety, 
to your fears. He's bringing his vengeance and recompense. The, the, The parts of your story and life where injustice has happened, he's coming by strength to make it right. In, in my, my greatest moments of faith, I, I can approach the belief that God really loves me and forgives me. But I have, I have a much harder time imagining me being me without any fears or anxieties. Me being me, but just at peace with myself. And so I want you to, I want you to try to imagine the parts of your own life, your own story, where you feel the most weakness. And where you feel the most anxiety, where you feel the most fear, where you feel like things have not gone the way they're supposed to go. And as you consider this glory that we are looking up to, that we are looking forward to, you get to add to your imagination an experience as a person that's at peace. Can you imagine being you and just loving the way you look? And loving the way you think and loving the work that you do and loving the way that you interact with people and they interact. Can you even imagine? This is actually a part of this future hope that we are looking to, that we're looking up to. We also get to look up to flourishing in our walk with God. I was going to call this a spiritual flourishing, but it, even that sounds too impersonal, too vague. Because the thing that's going to flourish in this hope that God promises is actually our experience of and relationship with God himself. And the, the way it's described here in Isaiah 35 is, is as a highway leads to Zion. And I love the language here. It says that even the fools cannot go astray. Like right now, we seem to mess it up all the time. On this day, you won't be able to mess it up. It says that the lions won't be able to attack those of the redeemed who are on the highway. You're safe. And it leads to Zion, which is the city of God. It's the dwelling place of the presence of God himself. And you're going to arrive with singing for everlasting joy and goodness. This is what we look forward to. This is the hope that we have, that you actually get to be with God. And all those feelings of like wishing you were closer to God, wishing you could see his face, wishing you could hear his voice, wishing you could have that feeling of, of inner warmth and peace that you've maybe approached a couple times in your life, you won't have to long for it anymore. You'll have it. That's what we look up to. This was promised to, to God's people in the Old Testament. And of course, we, we know so much more than they do the way that this hope is ensured and guaranteed through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna summarize looking up for you, okay? Here's the summary. A day is coming. It's a real life thing. And on that day, every corner of the world that is broken and marked my darkness will be restored and brought into life and flourishing and goodness and harmony and peace. And not just the creation, but you yourselves as a person and as a people, everything broken and dark and corrupt in us will be displaced by the love of God. And you will exist at perfect peace with yourself and with each other. And you receive this because God is making a way to bring you to himself and you will actually be with him and you will approach him with singing for everlasting goodness and joy. This is what we're looking up for. And then we get to Isaiah 36. And the Assyrian army is at the gates. Then we turn on our phones in the morning and see news of another school shooting. Then you get a call from that family member who always leaves you feeling manipulated and ashamed. Then you show back up to a job that you just can't stand where you don't feel fulfilled or seen. 
then you walk into a room full of people and just feel lonely. All of these things kind of come back to us, even in the midst of this hope. I find that Isaiah 35 leaves me in in a place of such contradiction and tension because I've been given this great hope, but my life still feels really messed up and the world still feels really messed up. And so the second invitation from Isaiah 36, first we look up, the second one is to look down. And by look down, what I mean is to, to look honestly and openly into the reality of how our lives and our world feel so different in comparison to the hope that is promised to us. It's, it's a keeping in front of our eyes the sober realities of suffering and pain and injustice and hatred and brokenness that mark the world. And it's actually a part of the call of a Christian to, to resist the temptation to avert our eyes from this kind of stuff because it's tempting, isn't it? So just as we look up towards hope, we look into the darkness and that's what's confounding about what, what happens right after this passage. I mean, it doesn't seem like very believable that God could promise this kind of thing and then an army is gonna show up to destroy his people. It doesn't seem to make sense, right? And it doesn't seem to make sense all the good things we say about Jesus and what he is for us and what he's doing for us and then to really look around at how life is going. And so I just wanna ask you, as you think about your own life, if you take a second and look down, where do you feel this? Where do you see it this week? Where do you feel the brokenness and the pain? It feels like the looking up and the looking down are sort of at odds with each other, right? Like what kind of people are we? Are we people of joy or are we people of sorrow? Like are we people of hope or are we people of despair? The, the Christian life, Christian waiting, it actually embraces the tension of keeping both of these things before our eyes, of looking up and looking down. And, and if you embrace this kind of vision, it, I think it actually kind of makes your life harder, to be honest. Because it, it keeps you from being able to pretend like the world isn't that messed up. You don't get to look away. You got to sit in it. But it also keeps you from being content with how things are. You actually have to keep longing for something better. You, you, feel, you feel the tension, almost the frustration of that? It's almost insane. And I imagine this is how John the Baptist felt in our, in our gospel reading from Matthew 11. Uh, John the Baptist, who, by the way, is, is the one who was present at the Lord's baptism. So he saw the spirit of God descend on Jesus and he heard a voice from heaven declare that Jesus had come. He was God's servant, that he was loved. And how's his life going? Now he's sitting in prison wondering, wait, this isn't what I thought it would be. When you embrace this kind of tension of looking up and looking, and looking down, you're gonna feel that disparity more and more. And it's gonna fill you with a, with a craving, with a longing for the things of this life to match up with the hope that you're looking up towards. So what do we do? We've looked up, we look down. The, the third invitation in the midst of waiting is to look all around, to look all around. And by, by looking all around, what I mean is to keep our eyes peeled for the God's work of flourishing and healing in the here and now, in the midst of the darkness that we live while we're still waiting for the hope to come. It's the search for future flourishing to break into this darkness. It's the, it's the scouring of the ground, eyes peeled in the midst of the desert for any sign of a green blade of grass poking up through the dry soil. 
for any sign of a little blossom, any trickle of water on dry land. And we see those things as, as a guarantee and as assurance of God's promise that not just we're waiting for a hope that is sure, but that he is with us and at work now. Here's how Henry Nouwen describes it. He says, the secret of waiting is the faith that the seed has been planted, that something has begun. Active waiting means to be present fully to the moment in the conviction that something is happening where you are and that you want to be present to it. A waiting person is someone who is present to the moment who believes that this moment is the moment. Did you catch that part? Not that moment down the road is the moment. This moment right now is the moment. This moment, even though my life is broken, this moment, even though I'm stuck in sin, this moment, even though the the world disappoints me at every turn, is the moment where something is happening. This belief is how we survive and endure the tension of looking up and looking down. Because we are waiting for something that has not come to us yet, but we're also waiting within something that has already started. That's what the Christian life is. And we know it's begun because of Jesus. I I love this conversation that happens between the, the, the disciples of John the Baptist and Jesus in Matthew 11 that Steve read. John's in prison. He sends his, his disciples to Jesus to say, are, are you the one? Like, is this the moment? I'm confused. And, and Jesus doesn't say, yes, this is the moment. The time has come. What does he say? Tell John what you hear and see. Here he's doing. He's saying, look around. Tell me what you see. And then he starts naming off the things that are happening. He says things like the the lame walk, which by the way is a quote from our passage, Isaiah 35. The the, the poor have good news preached to them. The captive are set free. All these things, he says, look around. Do you see it? Do you see that God is at work in this moment? That even though you're in prison, even though things are not going how how you want them to go, if you have eyes to look around, you will see that God is at work right now, right here. And when we stop and actually look all around, what will happen is that you will start to see blossoms everywhere. You'll start to see them all over the place. You'll you'll see them in in the miracle of just getting through another day without losing your mind. You'll see it in, in, the, in the miracle of, of a cute thing your child does that makes you laugh even though they've been driving you crazy all day long. You'll see it in the, in the lunch conversation after a class that you hated or in the midst of a job that you hate where, where things go beneath the surface and you realize, man, something's going on here. You notice that hey, you've got clothes on your back. God has actually provided for every single thing you need today. You see it in the, in the song at church or on your way somewhere in your car that, that moves you. You see it in the, the Bible verse that strikes you even though you're barely awake enough to pay attention to what you're reading. You see it in the grace of a friend who looks at you across the room with that glance that means, I see you. And you'll see it this morning at the Eucharist at this table where you get to experience with all of your senses the Lord Jesus, the one whom you felt like you aren't near to all week long. You get to be near him now. We, we find that if we actually have eyes to look, 
we see that he's at work all over the place. We see that he's blessing us all the time. We see that there are these little marks and signs of this future flourishing that isn't, isn't yet all the way here that mark every part of our lives. And so we have to do, and this is something I'd encourage you to talk about with your, in, in your small groups this week, is we have to learn how to cultivate the kind of reflection that pays attention to this. Because if you don't stop and take time to ask God to show you where are the places where you showed up today, it doesn't matter what he does because you'll probably miss it. He is showing up all the time. He's showing up right now and right here and on your way home and at lunch. The, the Two Towers is the second book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it starts with a, the most epic chase scene in the, in the history of story. Uh, Mary and Pippin are two hobbits and they've been uh, captured and abducted and they're being taken by enemies. And three of the heroes of the story, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, uh, take off on this epic journey to save their friends. And their friends are way out ahead and they can't see them. And, and Aragorn is sort of leading the hunt. And there's all these moments where Aragorn uh, is trying to, to sense and decipher some, some sign that they're still out there, that they're still ahead. And there's these moments where Aragorn will lay down on the ground and he puts his ear to the earth. And he's just listening for even an echo that what he's looking for up ahead is there. And they get to these, these great plains and they, and they get horses. And the, the, the picture that Tolkien describes is of Aragorn in his horse, bent out over the saddle with his head almost to the ground, looking all around for any sign, any hint, any, any broken blade of grass that says what I'm looking for is actually still up ahead. That's the kind of waiting that we are invited to as God's beloved. To, to sit in the tension between this future hope that we are longing for and the reality of the brokenness that we experience with eyes peeled for the many, many signs of God's current and present blessing and presence with us. If we can learn to wait like that, we can actually endure the wait. And it will increase our joy because he will show us that he loves us and he is with us now. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we do look forward to the hope that you bring. And I pray that you would grow our faith to look up. I pray that you would strengthen us to look down and to see the realities of pain and brokenness. And I pray that you would give us the grace to have eyes opened to all the ways that you are present and at work right now as we wait. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.